It's time to grab your pen and paper and listen up, because this is the Denver Business Coach Podcast, where we bring you actionable business tips and strategies to help you build a successful company that can thrive without you. And here's your host, Matt Aponte. Welcome to the Denver Business Coach Podcast, where we bring you actionable business tips and strategies to help you build a company that can thrive without you. I'm your host, Matt Aponte, and this is Simon Zavid and Stephen Conkey, and we are the Denver Business Coach Coaches. And <laughs> this is episode number two, and in this episode, we're going to talk about market-dominating position, a market-dominating position. What is it exactly? Well, guys, what is a market-dominating position? Let's just jump right into it. So your market dominating position, I, th- I actually think it's uh, good to start off when, with people who started a business. Um, people go into business because they are responding to a demand in the marketplace, whether it's an underserved or um, just a- another thing that they feel passionate about. They go into uh, the marketplace with this business to respond to a need. Um, what happens when that marketplace gets overcrowded? It's then becomes a price war if you're not separating yourself. And that's what a market-dominating position is, is it's a way to uh, market yourself in a way that other people in that same marketplace or industry are not answering to. Um, So it's a way to add value that other people are not actually um, giving to to the customer or to the client. so, for instance, when you make a purchase with, with anything, you, you go into a service, you go into um, you know, business with someone, you are trying to weigh the, the different um, pros and cons for each businesses or, or each um, company that offers the same offering. Uh, where do you make your purchasing decision? If everyone is offering the exact same thing, Um, you know, fixing your pipes, for instance. We'll all fix your pipe the exact same way, and we'll get in, we'll get out, that's that. Becomes a price war. Who's the, okay, now who's the lowest bid? But if you go in there and saying, hey, we'll do this, plus, you know, we'll add value for that same price, or, you know, we can charge a little bit more because we're going to add this value, but it's not going to be a crazy amount. Um, that is really speaking towards how you can position yourself against other people who are offering the same service or same product uh, to separate yourself from that pack. Yeah, absolutely. And this is really important, especially for those businesses who, where you might find yourself, um, you might find that your competition is uh, extreme. There's a lot of people in your industry, maybe, uh, where you, you know, you're trying to struggle. Well, how do I set myself aside from my competitors? And what a lot of people do is, like you mentioned, they get into a price war, mm-hmm. you know, and then it just becomes, well, I can do it cheaper, or I can do it cheaper, and then you're really, you're not only hurting yourself as a business, but you're also hurting really the industry, and um, and so that's why it's important on creating a market dominating position and we are going to touch on a couple little areas and where you can create a market dominating position mm-hmm. um, touch on some of those Simon well I think uh, before we go into the how to create it you know what what I think is interesting and what Stephen alluded to is ultimately any any product any service just by default has a tendency to become a commodity because you, you, 
start out, you might have a market dominating position or you might have an innovation. The moment you do, you will have competitors coming in trying to do exactly the same thing that you're doing for cheaper, uh, maybe better. And so there is a constant drive to, um, at some point, you are going to compete on price. So even though you might have a market dominating position at one point, it's not something that's going to be a consistent for you know eternity or for the life cycle of a business. So you have that that dynamic going on, and I think that's very interesting because oftentimes you hear about innovation, market dominating position, the importance of innovation, and anything that was like a novelty or innovation at one point now is just a commodity. You take a microwave, you take a dishwasher, yeah. anything like that. At one point, you could charge top dollars for it, and now you're any consumer is just essentially looking for where can I get the best, yeah. the best value, right? Yeah. So the to strive for a market dominating position is is constant innovation yeah. in your business also. Very Good very point. similar to the to the you know blue ocean you know strategy to where you might you want to find what part of your business whether it's customer service you know kind of like Zappos right mm -hmm. I mean how many shoe stores are there out in the world but Zappos said that we're gonna be the best we're gonna have the best customer service in our industry if not ever and that's what set them apart to create a marketing uh, a marketing dominating a market dominating position for them and so you know as small business owners you can do the same thing as well and the blue ocean strategy if you're not really familiar with it it's about finding uh, whether it's uh, if you have a product or a service or a particular aspect or maybe it's the way you do business or maybe it's because um, maybe because you're a female and in a uh, maybe a male dominated industry and so you can find a way to uh, maybe target to other females who need your service and really niche down and find your target uh, and, and only speak to those people and this way you can there's not a lot of obviously no men can really compete with you there because you have that area and this is just an example but there's a lot of ways um, in business that you can do this and it is extremely important uh, for you know the longevity of your company um, because if you're constantly you know cutting prices and gouging into your profit margins and you know and then your overhead usually overhead goes up it doesn't usually go down if your profit margins are going down because you're only only doing price words and you can find yourself in a uh, in a really uh, risky situation um, do you have any other examples that you want to share as far as a marketing dominating position what it is before we kind of get into sharing some examples of how they can kind of get themselves yeah I've always thought of uh, um, pizza <clears throat> You know, uh, how many pizza places are out there uh, and, and Domino's in particular and how their market dominating position was 30 minutes or less. And they're not, um, you know, th their target market was figuring out how to get food to college kids the fastest. And they weren't competing on price. They were competing on speed, yeah. really. And um, their whole campaign, their their issue that they were solving that people were experiencing was I ordered a pizza and it's taking two hours to get to me. You know, what's going on here? So how did Domino's solve that? And they had a campaign, their market dominating position was 30 minutes or less. And that's how they were able to make themselves into almost a billion dollar company, if not a billion at this point already. Yeah, and when they came into the market, there was, uh, you know, Pizza Hut, 
and I, I don't know if Little Caesars was in around that time, but you know the market was saturated. So it's you know, and I mean everybody has their favorites. You know, Papa John's Pizza, Hut, yeah. Little Caesars, whatever it is. But pizza's pizza, kind of, you know. And so that was something that they used to really you know dominate mm-hmm. the position there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have the best pizza in the world, but that's one reason why I order them because I know it's coming. It's coming you know, real quick. fast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and you know, one of the things that they did was really you know, a market dominating position, you have to define what is your market. And for them, their market was the students. Mm -hmm. And that was a very clearly defined uh, target audience. And in order for them, once you have a clearly defined target audience, they could see what is really important to them. And then based on that, innovate their business. And they, uh, you know, opened up more location in order to actually deliver on their promise, which is 30 minutes or, or it's free. Um, That's what it was. They actually had to open up several locations um, to be able to accommodate that promise, but it was such a dominating position that it was really attractive and it, and it uh, you know, caught on fire pretty quick. Yeah. But you have a target audience, you have a strong promise that exactly matches what the consumer, the target audience is looking for, mm-hmm. and with that, you have unlimited potential for growth, pretty much. That kind of segues into, um, you know, kind of going into how I like you brought how you brought up the example of them, you know, saying who their target audience was. Mm-hmm. Who was it? Obviously, a lot of people, all kinds of age ranges, like Domino's Pizza. But who is it that um, that they that they wanted to target to? And it was those college kids. And uh, what uh, in the past, whenever I've talked to business owners, there are a lot of people who are afraid to to niche down and really zero in on one particular. Uh, it, you know, type of person yep. because they think that they're cutting out. Oh well, you know, but then people will think that I'm not, you know, servicing them, or I don't want, you know, because they want. We need as much business as we can. But what you don't understand is that you actually will increase the amount of business because your marketing message and everything that you do is talking directly to those people, and so they feel more of a personal connection with you as the, the service provider or product provider, and so therefore they want to do business with you. And so mm-hmm. it actually helps. And so, you know, I thought that was a really good point that you did that. Even a huge multi-billion dollar company did that, most of them do, and succeed. Makes it easier to actually speak to them too. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, through the channels. Because you know exactly who they're speaking to and, and how to reach them most of the time. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about um, some ways. Uh, let's throw an example. You brought up plumber, you know, let's like, like a plumber. So if, let's say if you were a plumber, I mean, we all know how, um, you know, <laughs> saturated the plumbing industry is. So if you were a plumber, what is one way you could create a, a market dominating position there? Mm-hmm. Who wants to tackle that? I can go first. <laughs> well, let's start out with what not to do. You know, if you yeah. look at, at um, the plumbing industry, many other trades, usually what you see is, you know, we're family owned and operated, we're licensed, bonded and insured, we have the highest quality, we have the lowest prices, and, you know, and we've been around since 1874 or something, like yeah. that, which is basically what everyone else is saying yeah. and um, that is exactly as a consumer you're looking them and it doesn't even matter what the brand is or what the name of the plumbing company is they're just like all the same yeah. and so what are you gonna do you're gonna price shop and get a quote for your project yeah. 
So that's like the typical what not to do in an industry, but what most business owners do and where do they get it from? They start out and they see what everyone else is doing and so therefore it must be working and therefore we're going to do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and as long as you're in an economy like Denver where you have growth and the demand is increasing, you, you can get away with it. The moment demand is going down, that's what Stephen talked about in the beginning, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you find yourself not being able to, to compete other than on price and you you know, you're going out of business. Yeah. So how do you go about your market dominating position for uh, a plumbing industry? So, you know, one of the things, one of the examples that I, that I like that we have here in Denver, uh, for example, there's a company that says we are there within 45 minutes um, or I think order service is free. I don't know if it's exactly, but something like that. Yeah. So for someone that has an emergency, that is a very clear um, and relevant market dominating position. If my pipe's bursting, I need someone here right away. I don't want to wait. I don't want to be a get on a schedule of two days from now. I need someone right now. Yeah. So in that moment, a homeowner who has a, an emergency Something like I'll be there in 30 minutes or we'll be there in 45 minutes guarantee is a super valuable value proposition. Mm -hmm. Now, in order to deliver on that promise, you probably need to have more trucks. You probably need to have your schedule um, open to a certain extent. So there's a way you have to accommodate that type of promise. But to that specific audience, it could be a good fit. Yeah. Um, another example would be we have guaranteed arrival times. Yeah. So I don't know, if you're buying a house and you're moving in and you're scheduling your, your internet install with Comcast and they uh. ask you, do you want to be there between 8 and 1 or between 1 and 8 p.m.? And they right? never show up on time. And they never show up. And, and you're <laughs> like, I can't take days a later. freaking yeah. day all yeah. out of my day just to get my internet. That. So that's not a good value proposition, yeah. right? But for someone that, uh, for a busy, busy executive, if you're ordering a service and they can guarantee the arrival time, mm -hmm. we arrive within that amount of time, plus minus 15, 30 minutes maybe. That would speak to me as a professional yeah. because then I can need only to take a certain amount out of my day. Yeah. So that's another way that, again, your audience is not the seniors who are at home maybe and are retired. That might not be very valuable to them, but to a busy professional, might be very valuable. Yeah. So that would be like two examples as a, as a plumber, how you can create... Uh, a market dominating position that really speaks to a very particular need. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to touch on something that more in a general standpoint too of um, if you are a plumber just saying hey 25% off is not necessarily a market dominating position. It is, yeah. it, it is an offer that in, in my mind can sometimes devalue what you're actually positioning yeah. and if that's a general offer then a lot of people might be thinking, um, you know, oh, they just uh, uh, price their services up so they can have a 25% markoff to make that more attractive. Discounting what you offer is not a market dominating position. Being able to add value to what you already can deliver is. Yeah. Um, so there's a very big difference, and I know that can be a, a kind of a murky thing. When I talk to people about what that is, it's like, oh, I'll give them 50% off. It's like, Okay, but that's not gonna last. You know, again, that's gonna start competing on the price for. It. And if you start thinking that that's your unique selling position or 
market dominating position, again, you're going to go down that role and, and it's, yeah. it's not necessarily the, the right way to go. Yeah. But I think Simon covered off really good points on that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you brought up Comcast, you know, that was, uh, that was an example of, you know, I mean, let's face it, th there's Comcast and there's what, uh, Bright Cove, there's only one or two others. CenturyLink. 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 Yeah. So really, unfortunately, they can afford to not show up on time because you don't have a lot of options. And if you are in a position like that, well, you know, then you, you don't have to work so hard for a marketing domain position. Although if you want to work for longevity of your company, because mm -hmm. it won't always be that way, mm -hmm. there will always be others coming into your market. Uh, but that was a that was a really good example of someone who they they feel they've already dominated the market. So the the small things they don't really need to work on. So well, much. they just have a different market dominating position. Yeah, they control exactly. the technology or the cable. Yeah. You know. They're Monopoly. focused, yeah, yeah, yeah essentially. <laughs> so That's they, a marketing. So they don't need to focus on customer service <laughs> yeah. because there's only they, like a, a handful around. Yeah. They yeah. dominate the market. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I was going to use an example of myself, actually. The first business that I started uh, at 16 was a window cleaning business. Hmm. And in, in our small town, you know, believe it or not, there were a few window cleaners there. And, um, but the way I set myself apart was whenever I went, there were a few ways, whenever I went, and talk to people, I actually had a shirt and tie that I wore to go talk to them and solicit their business. And I was, you know, 16, I was a young kid dressed up sharp. I looked like I took myself seriously. Whereas my other competition were, you know, 50, 60 year old men walk around, you know, shirts untucked. They just kind of show up, clean the windows. So I separated myself that way. Another way was is that I always, back then it was pagers, but I always answered whenever I got a page, if they if we had a storm or if there was something where they needed you know new windows cleaned, I always got back to them immediately and I was dependable. And I took that, um, you know, after I sold my business when I was 20 and then a few years later I started doing photography, I rolled that into, you know, I kind of took that with me into photography as well. And there were so many times whenever somebody would find me on Google and they would call to book me for, you know, whatever it is, a wedding or whatever it is to get a quote, I'd say 90% of the time, you know, they would say, um, wow, you're the first photographer that picked up their phone. Mm -hmm. And and that was, and in, in essence, you know, in Jacksonville, Florida, that was really what I got a lot of business from was, number one, not only did I always answer my phone to take their call, number two, I called them back immediately after I was, you know, if mm -hmm. I, when I said I did, so I was dependable. You know, so um, if you're in a service provider area and, and or business and maybe you're thinking, well, you know, what can I do and, and or so on and so forth. There's little things like that, mm -hmm. especially these days. Oh, yeah. Wh whenever you're dependable and you pick up the phone when someone calls um, or you're there exactly when you say you're going to be there or you're early or whatever it is, those in themselves can be um, areas where you set yourself apart from your competition. Um, I, I know in, uh, in one of my other businesses, we deal a lot with paint contractors. Mm -hmm. And um, one of our contractors, the way that they've set themselves apart is, is that their, uh, their painters are always on time, they're very polite, and they're always dressed nice. 
And so whenever they're in somebody's house and, and whatnot, they feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. They're actually called, uh, they call themselves the black tie painters. Mm -hmm. And so that's how they've set themselves apart because so many people have had experience with someone coming and, you know, smoking, you know, like, oh, I'm going to paint this wall, you know, whatever it is. And they, they kind of feel like their house is disrespected. Right. So these are, you know, some examples, some small examples that really don't take any money, don't take a lot of effort, but they can make a huge uh, impact to separate yourself, um, you know, from business, uh, from your competition. Yeah, and then at some, like what we're seeing right now in Denver, again, <clears throat> I, I take the roofing industry because we have several clients in that industry. Um, you know, when you used to get away with just a storm hits and you have some canvasser out on the field and they're setting appointment for years, and then you show up and and the homeowner just, you know, basically you sign the contract or you, you, you ink it. Yeah. Um, now, I think here in Denver, having a salesperson show up properly dressed, properly identified with the proper contract work, with an iPad, maybe with with a, a drone or whatever, very first class roof inspection, like all that is kind of um, mm -hmm. expected. Yeah. And so you you what used to be innovation in the roofing industry that you're really showing up with those fundamentals in place was differentiating yourself. Now that is like the new baseline, and you have to, you have to, you know, innovate, innovate again yeah. from there. Yeah. And but so that's where you have to see in certain industries. It's very just see where, if you were a customer, where are people not meeting at least the standards of well, I'm expecting that. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, if you have a dentist appointment, you're expecting a confirmation call. You're expecting a text message. You're expecting that. Uh, they're sending you the contract work ahead of time so you can fill it out and cut down. That used to be novelties or innovations 20 yeah. years ago. Now it's just baseline, right? Mm -hmm. So the conversation is always driving driving forward. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. interesting. And, and, and that's, you know, another great point too that you brought up is that, um, you know, you, you constantly have to keep a pulse on your business. Mm -hmm. And not only your business, but your competitors especially if you're in a very competitive industry. Yep. You know, what are they doing? Um, you know, call, you know, do some test calls or research or find out or ask around uh, because you want to you want to know where you sit in your in, within your competition. And, um, you know, and then you can kind of do an analysis of yourself or your business. Well, they're doing this and they're doing that and we're doing that also. But what can we do that they're not doing? And, you know, it might, uh, you know, be a good thing that, you know, you sit together with your marketing team or your whole company as a whole, however it is, every six months or so, mm -hmm. and you evaluate these things and kind of see where you're at. Um, and, you know, these days with digital marketing, how prevalent it is, you know, a lot, that has a lot to do with social media. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, believe it or not, social media still is that area where you can create a market dominating position because a lot of businesses, you know, they st they're still trying to grapple with the need of social media. And even those that are doing it maybe aren't doing it right so maybe this is an area where you can take your business and be like you know then do your research type in facebook or instagram you know whatever service it is you know painting contractors or cake bakers bakers whatever and just see who the top what the, you know the top 100 people are doing and if you can if you can be like wow well we can do a much better presence than them then that's definitely one way to do you know as well because this day as we know social media pretty much runs everything these days and uh, so that's that's another another unfortunately area. yeah unfortunately <laughs> is right <laughs> yeah so I think we've shared some pretty good uh, you know tips um, 
let's see if we can come up with maybe one or two actionable steps that a business could take. So Simon, if I was, um, you know, let's say you're, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Uh, so let's, <laughs> let's do it. If I was one of your, you know, your clients or a new client uh, in, in the, uh, as far as like business coaching goes, um, and, and you just wanted to give me some kind of generic uh, homework to kind of, you know, see where I could improve as far as a market dominating position goes, what would you, what would you say? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, you mentioned a, a, f a few of those already. I just want to maybe summarize them. Uh, first is a competitive analysis. So really see what are your competitors actually doing? Um, how are they showing up in their messaging, in their marketing, in what their brand promise is, and be aware of what that is. So that's the first homework to kind of like get clear what is the playing field that you're actually playing on. Then the second thing would be to, if you have already, really identify, um, if you have not, really identify your target audience for whom you're actually um, are a service provider or, or provide products for, get really clear on the target audience. From there, then identify as it relates to them purchasing the service or the product that you offer, what are their frustrations? What are their hot buttons? Like what is really important to them when it comes to making a purchase decision? And when you, when you understand that, um, from that point you can say, okay, how are we as a company actually addressing specifically that concern? Yeah, that's great. Um, and come up with innovations. And you take every hot button and every possible uh, concern that a purchaser can have and create an innovation around that. If you go through that exercise, you're going to see quite a few ways that you can actually um, be the perfect business in that industry to address that concern. And from there, you might not implement all of them, but a few might crystallize out as being the ones that you really want to focus on and focus your messaging on. And price is always going to be there, you know, because that's for any purchase decision, pretty much a uh, yeah. some hot button, yeah. essentially. But don't focus on that. Yeah. You know, focus on the value that you're providing for the price. I, yeah. I think a good point to, to bring it back to um, that we did mention in the very beginning is figuring out who your target market is. You know, yeah. if if you're if you're saying your market is everyone, and you're trying to figure out what everyone's hot button is for whatever service you're having, you're going to have a real tough time following through with all those those things. And yeah. um, when we use the Domino's one, we talked about college students. What do they suffer from, or you know, what is their frustration? Um, so really try to figure out what those demographics, those psychographics are of um, your potential customers. And then you can narrow down and carry through with those exercises. Okay, what is, what is this specific person's frustration? And what, how are they not being served the way they should be served? Yeah. Um, and then you know the, the market dominating position, the hot button exercises can really start um, coming through and making more sense and you can really start drilling down to that specific person. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so I'm gonna wrap it up here with a uh, quote from uh, the Lean Startup from Eric Rice. And he said, success is not delivering a feature, it is learning how to solve the customer's problem. So if you always are solving problems for your customers, then I think you're always going to be in business pretty much. So, well, mm -hmm. that was the end of episode two of the Denver Business Coach Podcast. Two. Thank you for listening and or watching if you're watching us on YouTube. And, uh, you know, check us out uh, every two weeks.
Um, on uh, we are now on um, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we should be on Google Play here pretty soon. Um, Spotify, and then um, oh, and Stitcher Radio as well. So we are slowly syndicating ourselves across all podcasts. So wherever your your favorite uh, your favorite listening app, check us out there. Be sure to like, subscribe, thumbs up, all that good stuff, and uh, leave us a review as well. Let us know how we're doing if you like it um, or if it sucks completely. And if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to, to talk about. Um, you know, shoot us an email at podcast at denverbusinesscoach.com. That is podcast at denverbusinesscoach.com. All right. On behalf of the team here at Denver Business Coach, I want to thank you again. And, um, oh, before we go, if you haven't checked out the Freedom Workshop yet, mm. go to myfreedomworkshop.com. On August 18th, uh, we will be holding an all-day workshop that is designed specifically for business owners, new and kind of old, or if you're an older business owner and you want to uh, sell your business but you're not so sure how to do it, then this uh, workshop is definitely for you as well. Uh, go to MyFreedomWorkshop.com, check out the information there. Um, it's an all-day event, and um, again, if you have any other questions, just shoot us, shoot us an email. We'd be glad to talk to you. And once again, uh, thank you for watching and listening, and we'll catch you in two weeks. Bye-bye. For more info, check us out online at denverbusinesscoach.com. And make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search at Denver Business Coach.